You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Good morning, guys. It's great to be back with you today for our online service. Uh, Thank you for joining us. How about worship this morning? It was awesome. Um, I really don't even have to uh, talk after that, and it was so good. Uh, We serve a God who is worthy of praise, and just worshiping uh, with you guys, even though we're not in the same place, it's just an amazing thing. Over the last three weeks, I've really enjoyed digging in to who Jesus says he is. Uh, We looked at three of the I am statements that Jesus made. Uh, We just finished up last weekend at Easter Sunday, our Victory One Breakthrough at a time series. And it was really nice just to just to see that Jesus is who he says he is. And because of that, we can truly experience breakthrough and we can truly begin to live in victory, not because of ourselves, but because of Jesus. And this week we're starting a brand new series called We Over Me. And I, I really just I felt led to to talk about the church. We've We've seen something that's pretty popular on social media here recently, and uh, that's the the cross is going up and the the faith over fear message. And while that's an amazing attitude and a great mindset and a and a nice lifestyle to live, uh, I have a cross in my yard, so I agree with that 100%. I really believe that the church here and now has an amazing opportunity to truly be who God has called us. To be So over the next three weeks, we're going to discuss what it looks like to be we over me as the church. And this week, I'm particularly excited because we're going to look at the type of people that Jesus called. He called people that the world wouldn't really call. He called people that the world would say, eh, I don't think those are the right people to choose. Uh, maybe you feel like that in your own life this morning? How many of you have ever just felt out of place? Or maybe you just don't really fit in many places. Maybe you've actually been called a misfit or a uh, waste of space or uh, good for nothing. You fill in the blank. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's people, including myself, who have gone through life feeling like there's really no place for me. And this morning I want to encourage you and I want you to understand that Jesus chose these type of people. See, these guys were were uneducated. They were unlearned. They were emotionally challenged. They were jacked up people. And God chose them. He developed community, he taught them, and then he sent them out to eventually build his church. And the good news for us this morning is that he still uses people just like that. He uses the misfits to do his work and to change the world. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. I read this week a uh, pretty funny thing. It's a fictitious memo from the Jordan Management Consultants. And I want to share this with you. It says, thank you for submitting the resumes of the 12 men you have selected for management positions in your new organization. All of them have now taken our battery of tests and we have run the results through our computer. 
It is our staff's opinion that most of your nominees are lacking in background, education, and vocational aptitude for the type of work you are undertaking. Simon Peter is emotionally unstable and given to an offensive temper. Andrew has absolutely no qualities of leadership. Brothers James and John, sons of Zebedee, place personal interest above company loyalty. Frankly, they're mama's boys. Thomas demonstrates a questioning attitude that would tend to undermine morale. We feel it is our duty to tell you that Matthew has been blacklisted by our Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus have definite leanings toward the radical and register high on the manic depressive scale. One of the candidates does, however, show great potential. He is a man of ability and resourcefulness. He has a keen business mind. He's highly motivated as well as ambitious and responsible. We, we recommend Judas Iscariot as your controller and right-hand man. See, by worldly standards, none of these guys that Jesus picked would pass the test. They would not be chosen by the worldly standard, except for the one guy who would eventually betray Jesus. That's the only one that had a, a resume worth even looking at or talking about. See, Jesus is not interested in the most intelligent. He's not interested in the most athletic. He's not interested in the most good-looking. He's not interested in the most financially stable. That's not how he works. See, the guys that Jesus picked were the ones that were chosen last at recess for kickball. These guys were overlooked. They were forgotten. They were focused on themselves. They were outcasts. They were just focused on making a living. And Jesus steps in and the game changes. He steps in and he begins to build community with these people. And then he teaches them and he sends them out to build his church and change the world. But these guys had some problems. Like they weren't the, the perfect people. God didn't choose them because of that. And what I want us to do this morning, I want us to look at three inadequacies of the disciples. And then I want us to see how Jesus responded to those. And then how that applies to us today and how it's really relative to how the church is operating, the opportunity we have as a church to really change the world and make a difference. So if you're taking notes, three inadequacies of the disciples. Number one is this. They had a lack of understanding. They had a lack of understanding. In Matthew chapter 16, we see this, verses 21 through 23. It says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, "Get," He said, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So here's the deal. Jesus is telling them the plan. He is specifically spelling it out. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be raised three days later. And Peter, in his macho man Randy Savage mode, takes Jesus to the side and says, No way. As long as we're here, you don't have to worry about dying. We got your back. 
We have this under control. He didn't understand what Jesus was trying to do. Really, the, the more you study the disciples, the more you see before the death and uh, resurrection of Jesus that they just didn't really get it. They didn't understand what Jesus was trying to do. So Jesus was crucified. He rose again, just like he told them. Here's, here's a question for you. Did they keep spreading the claims of Jesus after that? Short answer, no. What'd they do? They went back and started to fish again, just like they did before Jesus called them. We see this in John 21. They're fishing. Jesus appears on the shore after his resurrection. He eventually gets them to shore. They kind of sit down. They have a talk. And essentially, Jesus says, what are you doing? Right? I've called you to be fishers of men, not fishers of fish. And he looks at Peter and he says, hey, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah, I love you. And Jesus says, if you love me, then feed my sheep. And then Jesus asks him again, do you love me? And this goes on. And he asks Peter numerous times. Peter just didn't get it. The disciples had a lack of understanding. And what was Jesus' solution to this? In one word, his solution was instruction. So we see in Acts chapter 1 that after he rose, after his resurrection, he spent another 40 days teaching and instructing the disciples. He wanted them to understand, to truly get it, to see the big picture, to understand that he was, he was here to be the sacrifice, to eventually go to the cross, to pay for the sins of the world, to defeat death three days later, then to ascend back to heaven. But to pour into these guys, right, so that they could continue on the mission of God, to continue to reach people. So for 40 days, he continued to teach. He left a record for these guys, and through them, he created another record so that we could be instructed today. The instruction never stopped. The only solution for a lack of understanding, see, it's not a, a program that helps you. It's not some kind of new ministry that you can start that, that fixes a lack of understanding. It's simply instruction and teaching that gets you to the point of understanding. The second inadequacy of the disciples was a lack of commitment. In Mark 14, verses 48 through 50, we see this. It says, And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. The interesting part here is that before this, the disciples told Jesus specifically and plainly, hey, we're never going to leave you. We're with you to the end. We are with you. We're not going to leave. And as soon as difficulty arose, as soon as a difficult time came, as soon as Jesus was going to be captured, his disciples fled. Man, that's not a trait that you would expect from people that were handpicked by God to start the church. What was Jesus' solution to the lack of commitment? One word, it was supplication. In John chapter 17, we see that Jesus prayed for His disciples. Man, He, he cared about them. He prayed 
for them specifically before he went to the cross. And he poured his heart out to the Father and said, Be with the ones that you have given me. Be with these guys. And he cared about them. He wanted them to have a commitment like never before. He wanted them to, to be of the world, but not to be in the world. Let's switch that around. He wanted them to be in the world, but not of the world. He prayed specifically for these guys. Before they were ever even given to him, he prayed for them. And his whole ministry, he prayed for them. That's what Jesus did. That was his solution. Man, we deal with a lack of commitment even today. It's just something that we struggle with, that we deal with. And I feel like Jesus had to deal with this a good bit in the lives of the disciples. The cool thing is here that even now, Jesus is interceding for us in prayer. But not only did he pray for the disciples, but he taught them how to pray. We see in Matthew chapter 6. Prayer is such an important part of actually gaining and getting to the point of being committed. So the disciples had a lack of understanding, a lack of commitment. And number three is this, if you're taking notes, they had a lack of humility. And again, I believe that this is something Jesus had to continually overcome in the lives of his disciples. In Mark chapter 9, verses 33 and 34 say, And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. Now this was about a six-hour trip by foot. These guys argued for six hours about who the greatest disciple was. And from all the stuff we've already talked about this morning, we, we kind of, we find that ironic, right? Because none of them were great. So they argued for six hours about who the greatest disciple was when none of them were great at all. One of my favorite passages to talk about is Matthew chapter 20. And I'm just going to pull two verses from there. Verses 20 and 21, Matthew chapter 20, says, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, so we have James and John, came up to him, Jesus, with her sons. And kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, this is Jesus, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. Are you kidding me? James and John were grown men. These were grown men who got their mama to come and talk to Jesus for them. Are you understanding this story? I love my mama, but I can't imagine calling my mom and saying, Hey, mom, can you come talk to my boss for me and see if I can get a promotion? I think maybe if you talk to him, it, it'll mean a little more. Are you kidding me? Think about Peter's reaction, right? Peter is this hard-nosed, brash guy. I mean, I could just see him sitting back and watching this and saying, what? Look at these mama's boys right here. These, these boys couldn't even go to Jesus themselves. They got their mama to come and talk to Jesus. 
These were grown men. Hey, I really hope you, you get this this morning. These were grown men getting their mama to come. Man, this was, this was a humility issue. And what was Jesus' solution for this? One word, his solution was example. Man, Jesus was a role model of a servant. Man, just say that I come to you in my frailty telling you that I want to teach you a lesson about humility. And I say, hey, I haven't washed my feet in about a week. And I'm going to teach you a lesson now on humility, and I want you to wash my feet. And I think maybe that'll teach you a lesson. Man, Jesus flipped that. Jesus said, hey, let me teach you guys a lesson about humility. And he washes their feet. Man, what servant does that that's actually a king? Man, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. And man, you, ha- you know they had to be dirty. I just told you that that one trip took six hours. They walked everywhere. They had some dirty feet. But the point was Jesus wanted to show them by example what it looked like to be humble. He wanted to show them humility. This morning, man, we've discussed the disciples and their lack of understanding, their lack of commitment, and their lack of humility. We looked at the way that Jesus responded to those in His teaching and His prayer and His service. And and there are so many inadequacies that we could have talked about from the disciples. But what I really want us to understand this morning is that these were a group of ragtag misfits. And Jesus said, hey, come and follow me. I know you're jacked up. I know you have issues. I know you're not the the greatest by worldly standards, but I want to use you. I want to build community. I want to teach you. I want to mold you. I want to shape you. I want you to start my church. Man, how amazing is that this morning? That we don't have to be the greatest by worldly standards. For Jesus to say, hey, I love you and I want to use you. Why does all this matter? I recently read Longfellow could take a piece of paper worth nothing, write a poem on it, and make it worth thousands. That's called genius. Rockefeller could sign his name to a blank check and it would be worth millions. That's called riches. A mechanic can take a $50 piece of material and make something out of it worth hundreds. That's called skill. A painter can take a 50-cent piece of canvas, splash something on it, and make it worth thousands. That's called art. Jesus can take worthless, sinful people, cleanse them by His blood, and blend them together to promote His cause. That is the greatest miracle of all, and that is called grace. Preston Sprinkle wrote, God aggressively and delightfully values and uses thugs and misfits to build His glorious kingdom. Abrasive, thick-headed people like Peter, hot-headed racists like James and John, violent brawlers and extortionists like Simon and Matthew, and mentally deranged bag ladies like Mary Magdalene. 
He doesn't give them a bowl of soup and shuffle them out of the church. He gives them responsibility, the hallmark of genuine value, and trust in the God who uses the weak to shame the strong. Grace isn't a term. It's not a doctrine. It's not a buzzword. It's not the words of a song or prayer before meals, a name plastered on our churches. It's not leniency or niceness. It's not something that can be domesticated or completely understood, and it's something that can never grow old or still. Listen to this. Grace is what flows through the veins of Jesus, whose heart stubbornly beats for you, a thug loved by the one who gladly endured the cross to bring you back to Eden. And Jesus uses unqualified, unworthy, misfits, and thugs. That's who Jesus uses. He builds community and he sends them out to change the world. Man, I'm excited this morning. I'm going to ask you a question. What did Jesus do and what is he still doing today? And there's a lot of answers, but I want to give you this. I want you to write this down. He turns misfits into missionaries. Jesus turns misfits into missionaries. Man, he commissioned these guys to go and do something. And he's commissioned us as the church to continue that on. To love God no matter what. To love people no matter what. To spread hope no matter what. To use our gifts and serve others sacrificially. That's what he's commissioned us to do as the church. It's not about you and it's not about me. right? It's it's about we. And it's about we doing what the one has called us to do. And we have an opportunity right here and right now to be the church that God has called us to be. Not people that meet in a building. Man, you're the church right where you are. I don't know where you are this morning, whether you're at your your house, you're at work, if you're just kind of chilling somewhere in the car just to get away from the house. I don't know what you're doing, where you're at, how you're watching this, but I want you to know something. As a follower of Christ, you are the church. Man, it's not about the buildings. It's about being who God's called us to be and doing what God's called us to do. And He's called us to love Him no matter what. He's called us to spread hope no matter what. He's called us to love people no matter what, to use our gifts and serve sacrificially. What are we doing as the church? We will always be greater than me. Man, I want to tell you something this morning. I don't know where you are. I don't know how you feel about your life. I don't know if you feel like a misfit. I don't know if you feel out of place. I don't know if you feel like that you're inadequate, maybe in understanding or commitment or humility or so many other areas where you can feel inadequate. But what I know is that Jesus loves you just the way you are. And I say this a lot. 
And this is just something that we, we truly believe and we focus on here at Impact. But he died for you in the condition that you're in right now. And he loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. It's not because of who you are. It's not because of what you can bring to the table. And I'm encouraging you this morning to join a community of believers and doing what God's called the church to do. And that's, that's where we are in society right now. Man, it's our job to show God's love to the world. And we're called to do that. We are called to do that. It's we over me every single time. Let's be the church that He's called us to be. And I want to clarify this morning, I'm not talking about Impact Church. I'm talking about the church of Christ, the church of God, God's body. Now we're told that the body of Christ has different members, just like our physical body does, and each member has its own specific role. But that they all work together. And it's for the good of the kingdom. Jesus wants to take you and take me. He wants to build community. He wants believers coming together and being the church. He wants us to change the world, not because of who we are, not because of anything that we could ever do on our own, but because of who He is and because of what He's going to do through us. So this morning, I want you to understand that the, the solutions to these inadequacies, man, they haven't changed. It's still instruction. It's still supplication. And it's still example. It's teaching, prayer, and service. Man, we have to dig into God's Word and understand what He's called us to do as the church. We have to pray and we have to seek and we have to get intimate and we have to continue to grow spiritually by communicating with God on a regular basis. And we have to serve people the way that He's taught us and called us to serve. This morning, and I challenge you, I challenge you to be the church that He's called us to be. That's my, that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me, that we can join a community, allow God to shape us and mold us, and to continue to change the world as His church. Let's pray. God, thank You for loving us. Thank You for not having to be some great and mighty person for You to, to choose us, for You to love us. You love us where we are. God, in our jacked up situation, as misfits, as undeserving people, as rebellion just creeps in, you overlook that 
You say, hey, I know that you're outcast. I know that you're overlooked. I know that you're hurting. I know that you may be broken. I know that you don't really have a place and you you reach down with your love and your grace and you say, hey, I want to use you anyway. So God, I pray this morning that you you speak to hearts and minds and that you begin to, to build community within your church like never before. That we see a unity like never before. God, that we're shaped and we're molded and that we're sent out to be who you've called us to be. God, help us to, to witness misfits becoming missionaries. God, will we truly show your love to the world. God, I'm so glad that you love me the way that you do. That you, you just show me mercy and grace each and every day. God, I pray that we as a church understand that we will always be greater than me. God, and it's because of you that we can even say that. So God, help us to just continue to focus on you. God, send us out to do what you've called us to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.